Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Decant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Thank you, as always, fellow conspiracy realist, for tuning in. We are going to talk about, um, you know, on, on our weekly Strange News segment, we typically want to find things that might be beneath the fold, but every so often, and you'll see why fold is a kind of a toilet humor joke in a minute, but uh, every every so often there are stories that are so big that they need to be here because even if mass media is covering them, they remain strange news. We're going to, uh, we're going to give you some, uh, we're going to give you some disturbing stuff uh, about uh, my home state of Tennessee, which is never the news for a good reason. Uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about something that directly affects everybody listening to this show, uh, as long as you're a human being. And then uh, before we do any of that, try not to spoil too much. Before we do any of that, we've got to talk about this uh, bank collapse. Uh, we're a weird story. So Matt Noel and I are on the road uh, quite recently, and we're in this, you know, we're busy, we're doing work stuff. And while we're abroad, well, while we're outside of Atlanta, <laughs> right, right. Uh, while we're outside of Atlanta, uh, we learn that over in California, the second largest bank collapse in U.S. history occurred, and it happened very quickly. Uh, this is a bank called Silicon Valley Bank. The odds are very high that if you are listening to this show, you yourself 
were not a customer of this bank. Uh, that it's quite possible that you may be listening if you are. You say the venture capital boys don't listen to us. The VC, the angel <laughs> investors. I don't know. I don't know if we're each other's demographics. But if you are here, welcome. I imagine you're quite busy of late, and thank you for taking the time to tune in. So when we heard about this, I think for all three of us, it reminded us of a 2008 funny story, which was the first largest bank collapse in U.S. history. In uh, this banking crisis triggered the 2008 recession. A lot of bad actors got away with a lot of money. Uncle Sam used taxpayer dollars to bail out the wealthy. Uh, and, you know, to some degree, the people who caused the problem. Uh, a guy named Barack Obama used to be president, may recall him from that. Uh, he, he passed something called the Dodd-Frank Act, which we don't have to get into. What you need to know is that this gave banks stricter rules, right? Uh, more, more sets of if-then, basically. Like, if you have a bunch of people putting in a bunch of money, you have to be responsible with it. Like, obviously, banks don't just keep your money. They use your money to make money for themselves. That's why interest rates at most banks are laughably low to the individual depositor. It's because there's a vigorish occurring between the time you put the money in and get the money out. Well, because a lot of the banks are publicly traded. So really, they're making money for their shareholders, right? Yes. Yeah. 100%. That's the, that's the other part of the, um, of the sigil, right? That's, that's the other part of the equation. This is going to get very Black Monday murders very quickly. So, all right. So the United States financial ecosystem <laughs> the bet in 08. And- Okay, it's less like they shat the bed and more like they found the poop in 08. <laughs> and, uh, and so the president at the time passes this Dodd-Frank Act. It says, let's have rules that apply to all banks, not just the big ones, but the regional ones as well. And then fast forward, there's a different president, as tends to happen in the U.S. And this guy, Donald Trump, you may recognize him from Home Alone 2, uh, as well as being the president of the United States at one point. He, uh, his administration rolls back some of these rules. They say there's too much bureaucracy, right? Too, too many paper pushers getting in the way of what makes America great. And this makes a weird situation. There's um, inequality between banks. Big, big banks like Chase or Bank of America and so on, they still have strict rules. They've got a lot of traffic signs on the interstate of finance. But the smaller banks, those who have less than $250 billion in assets, they're a little less buttoned up. You know what I mean? They can improvise a little. They could do some jazz riffs, and they sure as hell do. Uh, so two years later, and I'm going to curse a lot in this one. Sorry, folks. Uh, two years later, things are looking dope as f for Silicon Valley uh, Bank. You know, they've got, they're flooded. It's the pandemic, right? They're flooded with all this cash from these uh, venture capitalists, right? From these uh, v venture capitalists via startups, businesses, overwhelmingly in the tech sector. The deposits to this bank in California, they triple in just two years uh, from 
like end of 2019-ish, so on, uh, they get $189 billion in just two years. And in 2021, SVB looks around and says, this is our most profitable year ever since all the way back when they started in 1983. Things are looking good, but they're a bank. They got to take the cash and put it to work. This all makes sense so far, right? There's nothing mm-hmm. conspiratorial. Yeah? Okay. So like we said, banks take your money and they put it to work and then they give you a tiny slice of the pizza of money that they have made off your deposits, right? And you're supposed to be grateful for that and say, oh, thank you. Even though it doesn't keep up with inflation. The whole other bag of badgers, SVB does what banks are supposed to do. They try to make money by investing the deposits of their customers. And so they buy billions and billions of dollars worth of things that are considered safe investments at the time. U.S. Treasury bonds, right? Government-backed mortgage securities. In under a year, their portfolio and this stuff alone rises by $100 billion. But then what also rises are things called Interest rates, which Uncle Sam sets. This is bad if you are this bank, because when interest rates rise, the the stuff that you had, those bonds, their price goes down, which means they're worth less than they were when you bought them, which means in the case of SVB, very soon, they're out $17 billion. This is the germ that leads to the infection that ultimately kills this bank. And then at the same time, people are depositing less money. New deposits shrink from like March to December. Uh, New deposits in 2022 fall by $30 billion. There's another problem. There's the third problem. A ton of the money that they have. Again, we're cursing a lot in the beginning. The vast majority, it's held in just 37,000 accounts And each of these accounts holds way more than the insured FDIC amount, which is $250,000. We were talking about this on the road, right? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you know, most people, I think the three of us were saying that we were talking to, like, we're in an Uber or something. And we're talking and, and we're all like, well, wait. How many people do have more than $250,000 in a bank account? Investors, like, companies, um, uh, and just, I don't know, people who are rich as hell? I guess so, yeah. I mean, it seems like a problem that doesn't apply to the vast majority of people in the United States, but people will still be affected. So I always thought this is kind of like that old game folks play in pools, Marco Polo. You don't want to be the fish out of water. And if something goes wrong with the bank where you hold your money, and it's about, and you have more than 250 grand in there, then you are the fish out of water, my friend. And the ordinary rules of the road say that you will not get a dollar over that 250,000 uh, amount. So those are these three big problems. Fast forward, March 8th. Earlier this month, in fact, a regulatory filing reveals a big secret. SVB sold a huge chunk of those earlier securities, those financial instruments and investments at a loss 
of about $1.8 billion to cover that decline in deposits or just try to get themselves some space, some breathing room. But something is in the wind. The investors picture them like a herd of antelope. Someone smelled a predator, right? Someone sensed danger. And investors are very kind of hive mindish folk. So if one person gets a bad vibe, everybody gets a bad vibe, and SVB stock drops as a result. It doesn't plummet quite yet, but it's a precipitous drop. Uh, and then another bank, uh, Silvergate, announces they're going to voluntarily shut their doors. They're going to return all the deposits. They're going to liquidate their stuff. They're out the game. Um, what, do, what do we know about Silvergate? Silvergate was primarily in the business of crypto. So all kinds of different uh, interested parties that were in that game and trying to, you know, make a profit off of using cryptocurrencies in some way, right? And that's that, like when you think about NFTs, things like that, when you think about uh, any blockchain companies, that's my understanding, at least. Is that what you guys understand? Mm -hmm. Again, the intricacies of it, what they do exactly, I'm not as uh, versed on, but it is, yeah, mainly, I think, a crypto um, situation. Whereas Silicon Valley Bank also holds crypto, right? In addition to, you know, regular funds, regular, more traditional types of investments. They're more, yeah, like their their genre is focusing on tech, uh, tech startups, VC angel, yeah, VC, uh, which would be venture capital, angel investors. And everybody's having a good time at those kind of parties till they're not. Uh, so in both cases, we see a bank, a financial institution that doesn't have a lot of diversity in its holdings. And that's that's the Achilles heel of this stuff. So again, back to our panicked antelope analogy. Pretty soon, all these CEOs, all these startups are getting these crazy, hectic calls from their investors, from these venture capitalists, and they're literally telling them, please, now, cancel whatever you're doing, get all of the money out of Silicon Valley Bank. And a couple of them are saying, also, don't tell anyone else. Nope. Just do it now. This means they know. A, they know what yeah. happens if everybody does that. And that's what that's what you basically call a run, right? Like uh, it's the same mm -hmm. thing that happened during the Great Depression, um, and also the banking collapse of uh, two thousand eight, I believe. Mm -hmm. There is a run on the bank. The very next day, the stock finally goes into freefall. In a single day, in the span of twenty four hours, customers tried to withdraw forty two billion dollars in deposits and. SVB did not have the f money. No, they were looking for cash. They were looking for to, to raise funds to the tune of several billion dollars. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, think of think of it like this. Think of um, last big play, uh, big crowded place any of us went to. A uh, fellow conspiracy realist was with us. Uh, anybody's traveled recently or so on. Airport, a stadium, a big concert venue. When people leave in an orderly scheduled fashion, the doors work just fine. A, a busy train station is a good analogy for this as well. If something happens inside that venue and everybody leaves at once while they're trying to grab everything they can, those doors don't work anymore. Chaos reigns. Regulators seize the bank, SVB that is, the very same day the FDIC says, okay, look, if you're a customer 
we're true to our word. Order will prevail. You will get your full and short deposit access by Monday, March 13th. Tricky word again, insured. The majority of people at this bank are going, ooh, I have more than 250 grand though. So what about me? Uh, SVB had more than $151 billion worth of uninsured deposits just a few months ago at the end of 2022. Uh, That is more than the GDP of many countries, just for perspective. And two days after they collapse, another bank gets shut down non-consensually by Uncle Sam. This is Signature Bank. They have a different story, but what we need to know is for everyone playing along, that's the third largest bank failure in history. So to recap, 2008, largest bank collapse in U.S. history. This month alone, the second and the third largest. It's not a good look. Uh, And now like, there's a quick conspiratorial thing we have to We have to sew this up with, which is the following. Do you guys know that on March 12th, the authorities said, hey, even if you're over that insured amount, we got you. We got your back. Right. So if you have like millions in there, we'll take care of that too. I don't think that happens to the average person. No, and that's practically a bailout. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, and also, wasn't it some really high level, like kind of investment figure, like an individual that texted a lot of people and kind of caused the run? And if the run hadn't have taken place because people panicked, then everything would have probably been okay because the bank essentially did what they were supposed to do, to my understanding. You yeah, know, yeah. So it really was almost like a manufactured panic. But who was it? Was it like a Mark Cuban type, but not that person, but like somebody like that? Who the heck was it? There were uh, there were several people because social media played a big role in the run on the bank here, uh, particularly mm-hmm. Twitter. Uh, and so again, it's like it's like spreading a secret. Look, startups and that level of investment—they're a small town. And everybody wants to be in on the secret. So you get that panicked call. Okay, get all your money out of SVB. Also, don't tell anyone. Okay, just do it now. Then, of course, they're shooting a text and they're like, hey, don't tell anyone. But I think it's time for you to get your money out of SVB. Okay, just keep it between us. Oh, no problem. Where will we put it? In one of the other giant banks? Cool. (laughs) Mattress firm mattresses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mattress firm mattresses. Can I tell you guys, I actually went to my bank and had a discussion with one of the actual bankers there. Not, I mean, no offense to anyone who's a teller. Y'all are awesome. I talked to one of those people who goes into the rooms, right? At a local <laughs> bank, you know, okay. whatever they do in those rooms. I went in there and just talked to this person at a major bank and just asked some questions, you know, and of course I'm going to get whatever spiel that I'm going to get from a major bank and whatever meeting they had about this, right. As a team, like this is how we address these questions. But still points. just to have someone, I needed to have someone reassure me that the money I have in there that I need to pay for, you know, my house, like the mortgage and for my son and all this stuff, I need to Your make Fabergé sure that was going to be mobile. Well, the Fabergé eggs, I feel are pretty safe in the safe <laughs> okay. up here, Good. but, Good. but just the money that's, you know, not tangible that I can't access right? That I, I might not be able to access at some point is still there. Um, yeah, because it's still, man, it's scary. 
And when, you know, we were actually in Austin when this news dropped uh, for the tech portion of South by Southwest, the interactive or whatever. And we were with our pal Jonathan Strickland of Tech Stuff, who covers this stuff, uh, you know, this tech stuff uh, a lot. (laughs) And we had some questions for him because he had just recently been kind of wrapping his head around all of this. And I think one of mine uh, and, and I think. I don't know, something that was on all of our minds was, uh, how are these banks different from like the Wells Fargo's and Bank of America's of the world? And are those banks insulated from this kind of thing? And I think the answer was largely yes. These are very specific types of banks that, you know, to your point, Ben, focus on venture capital, you know, startup funding and all of that stuff. This is, you know, it's literally called Silicon Valley Bank. And then with uh, with the other one, it's uh, specifically, you know, more crypto holdings. Um, but then, Ben, you mentioned yesterday that the the stock prices of a lot of these other more traditional banks did take a hit, but then kind of normalized. So I guess my question is, like, how are these things interconnected, you know, if, if at all? There obviously is something, whether it just be investor panic or if there are kind of tendrils connecting, you know, some of these more uh, bespoke niche types of banks from the ones that, you know, folks like us and, and, and uh, listeners uh, bank with. That's a that's a great question, Noel, and, and maybe we examine in a future episode. I will give you my opinion. And again, folks, this is just one entity's opinion. Uh, I would say the difference between those those banking institutions is that they are different denominations of the same religion. And with with that, we're going to pause. Everybody, stay safe. Remember, if you bank at a like a, a any imaginable banking system, if every one of your fellow customers has a bad day at the same time, and they run to get their money, the same thing is going to happen. This can happen to every single bank. The ecosystem is much more fragile than uh, many people realize or like to think about. So maybe this is an episode for the future. We can't wait to hear your thoughts. In the meantime, we uh, we ran long in this one, so we are going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to travel from the East Coast out to uh, out to the home of country music. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Uh, uh, gentlemen, are you familiar with the uh, internet parlance uh, thirst trap? Yes. I've, uh, I've been accused of a few of those myself. No. Yeah. When I, you do your I, blue steel look. Yeah, I know. I just one. learned I about this. One. You guys remember we, we took a picture of the whiskey bar. Then you posted it and somebody said thirst trap. And I asked you guys what that was. <laughs> it's when you it's when you put a cold glass of water out on a hot day and you attach <laughs> a, a trap like you put like one of those boxes above it with a with a stick so that when a thirsty individual comes and, tr and tries to drink the water the trap is sprung and then mm -hmm. they're in your clutches that's a no no a my, trap wait, is, my understanding yeah. is that ben was just too good looking in that photo right that's what we were all saying. we were killing it that night all three of us well you wait, know, we all three of great. us you there can be group thirst traps i think but typically thirst traps are selfies okay. an individual picture that someone is posting uh perhaps with the intent to titillate um at the very least to get some attention with um, false humility right like here's a picture yes, yeah. of me with my shirt off or dressed very sexily and here on the side is like a bottle of juice. And I'm talking about how I like this juice. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little side dong, actually. You know? maybe, maybe a bit. Maybe. A nip yeah. slip, perhaps, you know? I mean, maybe not. Uh, so whether they are, they are, I think, typically thought of as sort of like, a uh, a way of getting a little bit of attention, you know, maybe to make someone feel good about themselves. You know, you post it, oh, I felt cute, might delete later, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Okay. I, that's thought, I thought it was it. just an attractive picture of somebody. No, but it's called a thirst trap because there's it's intent. like... There's intent. Okay. You're, you're, you're posting it, and, 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 and there's this sort of feigned humility, let's be honest, uh, and, and it's, it's intended to, to attract attention, you know, for you, for whatever reason. It also could be, I mean, a lot of um, uh, internet uh, sex workers will have a um, kind of non-explicit account that is still pushing the boundaries of whatever platform they're on, let's say Instagram. Maybe there's no full nudity, but they're, let's just say suggestive at the very least, and then if you go to their link in bio, you might find yourself at OnlyFans there to get the premium content. Okay. Um, so, do you, okay. So we, we, we've, gone, we've gone over thirst trap. Do you guys know much about Tennessee politics? Unfortunately, I do know a little. Yeah. It's not mm. great, specifically, uh, you know, in the way um, that uh, states government treats uh, members of the LGBTQIA plus community. I think I got all those in there right. Um, there are a lot of anti-LGBTQ bills 
uh, being bandied around. Um, there are there's a lot of anti-trans legislation being bandied around. Like I mean, I think there are there's even one that is making the rounds. I don't remember if it's passed or not. That would literally allow uh, you know members of local government to take a you know the kind of stance that maybe a private business could take, where they won't serve you if a same-sex couple comes in to get married um, yeah. they, they would it would give them the, the the choice whether or not to do that um which you know you think if, if the law is the law <laughs> you're supposed to be there to enact the law um it reminds me of of that story about the woman who ran the cake shop that wouldn't make the cake for the same-sex couple or whatever and even that's problematic but i mean i do believe private businesses can do that they can choose who or who they do and do not serve because it's a private business, you know? I heard the cake wasn't even that good. I'm sure it wasn't. Which I, mean, I know probably, is not a important part of the conversation. Probably tasted very bitter, yeah. if you ask me. Um, but, you know, with the government, you, you don't expect to be, I mean, again, expect expectation is, a, is an interesting thing. But you would think that no matter what your sex, race, creed, religion, or sexual orientation would be, you should be able to go in and be... In, in the uh, equalized hell that is government bureaucracy with the rest of <laughs> yeah. you know, civilization, right? Uh-huh. You know, I mean, it should be unpleasant for everyone in yeah. the same way and inconvenient for everyone in the same way. Like marriage. Um, yeah. Just so. So, you know, but uh, yeah. So Tennessee Lieutenant Governor uh, Randy McNally recently announced that he's He's pressing pause on his social media activity uh, after it came out that he repeatedly made comments, let's just say, um, on that's what he did. He commented like, you know, on Instagram um, on some some of these thirst trap type pics uh, posted by a 20 year old gay man. Um, Many of these these images, uh, there's. You know, they're cheeky, let's just say. Okay. They're not explicit again, because that would, uh, that would, you know, go against the Instagram you know, terms of service. Um, but they are, that's kind of what this guy's account is all about. Does and he talk about showing off his, his butt? Yeah, that's Absol- the, the absolutely play. Yeah, oh, cheeky. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's showing off. He's showing some cheek. Got um, it. Sorry, guys. Yeah, you know, I mean, like really low cut bicycle shorts, like uh, you know, showing the hip bone and like the happy trail and all of that good stuff. Um, again. It's great to be able to empower oneself and post anything you want like this. Um, but, you know, when, when that is kind of the majority of the content on a page like that, you kind of know what the score is mm-hmm. to a degree. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, frankly, uh, Superstar, um, who, which is the handle of this individual, is, is a sex worker. I don't know this to be the, fa- the case. In fact, this individual has commented on the case and didn't say anything of the kind. So that's not really even what this is about. What this is about is that McNally, who is 79 um posted responses has been commenting on this guy's photos for years <laughs> with things like you know i i eyeball heart heart emoji eyes you know uh fire emoji you know like calling him like saying uh finn the guy's name is finn you can turn a rainy day into rainbows and sunshine 
Um, you are literally, and then the, and then to which uh, Finn McClure is the fellow's name um, responds. You are literally always so nice, King, uh, with a heart emoji. King? <laughs> King, that's a thing the kids yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, I uh, know, I know. Uh, super look, Finn. <laughs> Love, love the fit or lack thereof. You know those bike shorts are are doing it for me. Um, so apparently, McNally has posted more than eighty comments over the years that date back to twenty twenty. So yeah, that's years um, on McClure's Instagram, um, and ones as recent as uh, February twenty sixth. His initial comments, uh, you know, and this is a, a, a report from NBC News. They they point out that his initial comments read a little more like uh, words of encouragement, any kind of like a little pep talks, um, you know, toward this individual, almost like a caring father figure or something like that. And then, you know, again, they they, they sort of evolve into into the, this other type. And again, there's no there's no explicit language. Let's just say, I mean, you know, but. Fire emoji, we kind of know what that means, you know, uh, heart eye emoji. Maybe this guy's just, you know, he is seven, he is in, in his uh, late 70s, and maybe he's just a little out of touch, but he sure is commenting up a storm on the internet while also supporting legislation that really would seek to erase people like Finn. And that's um, the problem then, right? Because there's nothing wrong with anything up until this point, until you, you, you hit upon it, right? No, like... At the same time, this guy, our boy McNally, is is actively, I guess, uh, he's actively supporting this controversial legislation. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And Matt, I believe you were doing some digging and, and had an example of one of these controversial bills that McNally supported. Yeah, I, I don't know a ton. I know one of the recent ones, or perhaps the, one of the more recent ones, was reported on NBC News as having to do with restricting drag performances on public property and uh-huh, any, anywhere <laughs> and anywhere a child could see them. Okay, so that interestingly enough, though, that to in my mind, maybe I'm completely wrong. In my mind, that doesn't mean you can't have a, a drag show at a bar or a place that does drag shows. Right? It just means you can't do it on state property. Well, it's sort of a it's, it's sort of a purposely misleading right uh the the idea or some of the rationale being offered was this concept that kids would get ambushed by drag shows and if you've ever been familiar with drag shows uh the performers and the producers put a lot of effort into making sure people know there's one coming in advance because they <laughs> yeah. want the it's audience marketing <laughs> right they they do care about that yeah. right they're they're not scheming monty burns style to just like sabotage someone ha gotcha. surprise gotcha. Drag show. this isn't really a blockbuster or whatever like they're not they're not doing that it it, it does feel like it's um intentionally misleading but also i would say noel shades of santos here right george Mm. santos who uh uh, opposes a lot of stuff that it seems he himself has practiced uh also recently just uh declared his candidacy for president so this is the governor of tennessee you're referring to right uh no george santos different dude same kind of hip hypocrisy pattern like oh you're talking about the florida guy yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the governor weird of Tennessee, that we have to go through the yeah, very different yeah. ones. Yeah. Well, yes, exactly. Sorry. Bill Lee, the governor of Tennessee, um, 
very similar situation where he he actually got kind of uh, hijacked a little bit by, I mean, in a good way, I, I would argue, by a reporter um, who pointed out a picture of him, uh, he himself wearing wearing drag back, you know, a long time ago. And he said that that was, it was totally absurd to even point that out, that it was done lightheartedly, you know. And, and one could argue, I've been to some drag shows, they're, they're usually pretty lighthearted <laughs> and not inherently pornographic at all you know i mean i I've, I've certainly you know rupaul's drag race is one of the most popular things in the universe you know my kid watches that with with her mom all the time I'm, again i'm not saying this is this you know that kids you know young 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 kids you know should be exposed to drag shows without the, the ability for their parents to kind of, you know, police that kind of thing. Just like they shouldn't be exposed to R-rated movies or anything that's, like, even remotely suggestive. That should be up to the parents. But I can't imagine a circumstance where they would just be, like, a drag. Does this, does this, does this, this is, apply to me, pride parades inside? Let, I imagine yeah. it would, right? Let me, yeah. I, I think I was a little wrong because this is – I'm going to read this quote from NBC News. This is by Matt uh, Levit, Levites or Levitas. Uh, I'm sorry, L-A-V-I-E-T-E-S. It was posted March 2nd, 2023. Oh, um, yeah, Matt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, come on. We all know Matt. Uh, quote, the first of its kind legislation will ban adult cabaret entertainment, that's in quotes, on public property or in locations where it can be viewed by minors – such entertainment, according to the measure, includes here. Here is where the problem is, guys. They're lumping all of this together. Topless dancers, go-go dancers, exotic dancers, strippers, male or female impersonators or similar entertainers. So they're saying that. See, even that language. Yes, is, is exactly. Offensive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're and they're lumping it all together and saying, oh, well, you can't do any of that stuff where a child may be able to see or a minor. Well, right. It's but that also right? implies that people who are trans like can't like, 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 like I have. I think I mentioned to you guys off mic. I have a friend who lives in another state that has some very, uh, you know, severe kind of laws like this uh, pending. Mm -hmm. um, and she is is trans and is a musician who performs music. At, at venues. Mm -hmm. So if so, this is to say that if you're not dressed as you're like assigned at birth gender, then you are a you are an, a female, an impersonator, quote unquote. Again, I find that language really awful. And then just by playing at a coffee shop. You're considered a performer. Impersonating somebody of the op of, of a different gender. Yeah. And it came about partially one of one of the big things that sparked this stuff uh, in Tennessee and in other parts of the South was the idea of drag performers doing story time events, which are just like reading stories to kids at a library. Uh, and this by, by and large, you know, we, we've talked with some people in this space and this, this by and large, uh, it really feels like a distraction to be oh, yeah. quite honest with you. If, it feels like it's not only a distraction from serious policy changes that are bad for the majority of people affected, but it also feels like, you know, it reminds me of what we were talking about earlier when um, our old boy Tucky C, Tucker Carlson on Fox, had all these text messages that pretty much prove he thought the total opposite of what he was claiming to think when he was on air, you know? And, and Noel, if you, you look at this guy, um, Lieutenant Governor McNally, uh, then it seems like, first off, his OPSEC is really bad. Dude, make a burner account. 
Yeah. Well, you know that's, I mean? the, that's the funny thing too, by the way, he's, he's, he's doing all of this from an account that's like uh, official, literally at official Lieutenant governor, you know, like, you know, it, it's almost, you can't really make this stuff up. Um, and initially um, he commented that, you know, or, or, or his office released a statement saying, he, he likes to comment on social media. That's what he does. He likes to to give his supporters encouragement and spread goodwill throughout um, the land, you know, with his constituency. Um, does he use does he use the correct emojis every time? Maybe not. <laughs> but his intentions are clear. And this is part of the the left leaning liberal, you know, conspiracy to try to to, to shame this this great man. Um, and again, I, we don't know this man. Um, and, and honestly, kudos to any uh, pushing 80 year old who dares wade into the waters of social media. You know, we know it's, it's, it's not uh, first nature. So sure. There's going to be some learning curve there, but he's been doing this for a long time and the comments have evolved. Again, we're not saying that he's like living some sort of double life. It's mainly just, it's a bad look. Considering, you know, what kinds of bills he supports. And he actually did come out with a statement that's it's it's, it's a little weird. I'm just going to read it. Um, this is what he had to say as a response. Uh, Criticism of my social media activity is fair and I have taken it to heart. All I ask is that people look at the facts and my actual record. Again, conservative and anti-gay are not synonymous, not generally and certainly not for me. Uh, while I realize it may not happen immediately, I am hopeful that this examination of my social media activity will conclude and we can soon all get back to ensuring Tennessee remains the best state in the union to live, work, and raise a family. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'm going to read this part, which is the part that kind of is a little bit of the sorry, not sorry kind of part. Um, I am 79 years old and was raised in a time when homosexuality, is where it's not mine, was deeply shameful. And I absolutely still hold traditional Tennessee values dear. Doesn't that kind of basically mean like, and I still think that? <laughs> That's sort of what that implies. But I now have friends and even a relative who is gay. I mean, oh, good. Oh, it's right up there with, I know, one black person. My one black friend. Yeah. But guys, it we talk about on the show so many times, one of the only ways to truly get perspective is to know someone, right? One of those 100 sure. people. That's that you true. know and actually see life through their experience in some brief and small way. So yeah. like I, I had I, I can't I don't want to just demonize this guy, I but know. I do hear what you guys are saying. I know just, and you're right to devil's advocate. And, and it's there not too on one here. It's just again, that's like yes, saying you know the one person is I agree. Sort of, is I sort agree. of saying it's like saying the good one. You know, this, or this a also good one. this also just reeks of damage control. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're right. Yeah. No, like, you're right too. Like to to the eleventh degree. Uh, he goes on to say, I you know, and this and this is the part where whoever did this damage control wrote this for him. Uh, just a pretty good job here. Uh, I have worked hard to try and understand this community better, and at the same time, not compromise trying to protect children and my own values. I notably came down from the speaker's podium to speak against a bill that would have curtailed gay adoption. I have also supported legislation that would protect children and keep obscenity out of the public sphere. And once again, that's what that's the one you're talking about, Matt. Obscenity. You know what, el- you know what else is obscene? Mm-hmm. In all cultures, in all cases? Hypocrisy. Yeah. And I support traditional marriage. <laughs> that's the last way it is. So... Yeah, you know, and I think the the issue that we're all seeing here is 
the idea of hypocrisy, um, the idea of uh, oftentimes we we certainly know stories of people that say one thing publicly and do something else completely different in private when they don't think anybody's looking. The fact that this person did all this stuff through a easily traceable public facing social media account is odd and does maybe imply that this person didn't think they were doing anything wrong and that there wasn't any, uh, you know, intent, you know, to, to perhaps have any kind of relations with any of these individuals, this individual, you know, um, and, and, and that is what the person said when it when interviewed by, I believe it's called the, uh, the Tennessee holler. Um, they actually found Finn, uh, and, and, and spoke to him and, uh, this person just said, yeah, he, he reached out to me. We kind of became friends and we've known each other a long time. And I did kind of think it was a little weird. He was commenting so much with all of these hearts, but I'm not a political person, therefore. But, you know, again, like, I mean, some of these pictures, there's one that's just like a shot right up the dude's butt. Like, I mean, and there's nothing could be mistaken for anything but like kind of, you know, these are sort of these thirst traps. And I, 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 it just doesn't seem like it jives with uh, with this person's politics publicly. So therefore, I do tend to think maybe there is something going on behind the scenes. Uh, and there's also an older gentleman who perhaps maybe is declining a little bit cognitively. I, 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 again, I can't say for sure. Maybe that's but. the problem right there. We've got legislators, people who get to write the bills who are in their 70s. You think? <laughs> that is a whole other conversation. You are absolutely right. Um. But, you know, in the South in particular, a lot of times, you know, we know folks that that live in the closet, you know, uh, get married, you know, have kids and also have secret lives that are more affirming with the, the way they actually, you know, feel uh, because it is politically dangerous or it has been in the past politically dangerous to be, you know, an out gay person in the South. Hopefully that will change. But in a state like Tennessee, probably not anytime soon. So, um. Do you guys have anything to add before we move on to a, to a break? No. Okay. Well, here comes the break. We'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. 
When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we've returned. And unfortunately, I'm so sorry about this. Uh, We know you're on the toilet right now. Yes. You specifically. Where do you think that podcast from? (laughs) we're all on the toilet right now all of us every one of us and we're using a couple a couple of sheets of that 57 pounds of toilet paper we each use every single year nice stat (laughs) americans use a ton of toilet paper too way more than other countries yeah that's true if you're not in the u.s that doesn't apply to you that does not apply to you because uh, americans with that stat, 57 pounds per person, and there are 332 million of us Americans hanging out in America, uh, that means we use collectively 19 billion pounds of toilet paper every year. Whoa. Jeez. Whoa. That's a lot of trees, huh? The latest- now, here, here's a, qu- a quick, quick, sorry, quick question. Like, what about the like really quilted quadruple thickness? Does that count still as just one piece? I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it probably does stat-wise, but mm-hmm. all toilet paper we know is not created equal. Just putting that out there. No, it is not created equally. It is created uh, trifectally. No, I'm just that's not a word. Uh, it is either created by Procter and Gamble, Kimberly Clark, or Georgia Pacific. Probably those are the three major companies that make Charmin, Scott, Cottonelle, Angel Soft, and Quilted Northern. The ones that most Americans see and probably use. And it's kind of like Luxottica because those few companies create most of the things that appear to be different brands. And I think before we get into this, we should probably say this is not a paid advertisement for Big Bidet. No, or or toilet paper. We're talking about the brands and all that stuff of toilet paper. It's not paid for any of that stuff, at least right now as we record this. Maybe in the future, this episode will be sponsored by a toilet paper company or Tushy. Uh, that we have spoken for before, but not now. Okay, so now that we've established all the toilet paper stuff, uh, let's talk about this study that was recently conducted out of the University of Florida that tested a whole bunch of different toilet paper brands from across the world, not just in the U.S., but in the U.S. as well, checking them for forever chemicals. Do you remember those? The Teflon? Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. it did its early work. At least that's how we found out about Teflon when it really came out big. Uh, and it's been doing a lot of work since then. Getting in everything. These PFAS, forever chemical carbon chains that hang around and don't break down. They literally don't break down. Polyfluorinated alkyl substances. Correct. Pol- uh, per or poly. Per or poly. That's correct. And 
uh, this study just showed that every single toilet paper brand had forever chemicals in it. Every single one. Some had very, very low amounts, extreme, like trace amounts, right? Uh, but all of them had these forever chemicals, all 21 different toilet papers that were tested. And the worst part that the study found is that as this toilet paper gets used and then flushed and begins breaking down as it's moving its way through whatever sewer system, whatever water treatment system your city has or town or whatever, uh, those forever chemicals leach out into the water as, as and then these back up into the system, I guess, right? Well, potentially, often the forever chemicals get stuck in the what they call sludge. It's the stuff that gets collected at the wastewater treatment plants that smell do delicious, that? don't they? What do they do with that, though? <laughs> Is that like the toxic waste of, of wastewater treatment? Is there something that can be done with it? Can it's all for, like, sorts of things. Yeah, it's yeah. the Wendy's. Uh, it's the Wendy's ice cream thing. No, it's the, uh, no, yeah. no, no. Think about it. Think about it. No. Yeah, no. it's frosty. It's also no. in uh, playgrounds and um, I Play think. Play-Doh. Yeah, and I think recently uh, it was revealed that uh, Seth Rogen never takes off his shirt because he is 60% PFAS. Oh, Pretty fun at pretty fun and study. sexy. Yeah, it's like there we go. PFAS. <laughs> PFAS. Um, so, <laughs> so um, no, but it, it, that is a real problem because the sludge that gets generated, the waste of the wastewater treatment plant, does often get put somewhere in that, not in the facility, but next to the facility, basically mm -hmm. in like a mm -hmm. retention pond or something like that, or a place that's just meant to hold all that stuff. And it can, especially the forever chemicals and other toxic substances can leach back into the environment, like the groundwater, stuff like that. Um, that's bad enough, right? Yeah. Just thinking about the water and this contamination. The one thing that this study did not check out guys is whether or not using the forever chemical toilet paper and wiping it on your backside or your front side or whatever side you're wiping it on, even blowing your nose, uh, it, it doesn't talk about if wiping those forever chemicals on you can affect you. Which was a great interest to us when we were hanging out off air because um, first, that's the thing most people are going to want to know, including uh, some of our fellow conspiracy realists who might right now be looking at that roll of TP. Uh, we do know for a fact that dermal absorption is a mode of transmission for PFAS. Well, also, people use it for like taking drugs. There's a name for it. It's called boofing. Uh, I read that somewhere. I'm, I'm certain. Um, or remember butt chugging? Remember that was a whole oh, thing. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying yes. people th that that tissue d it is is highly absorptive. I I'm not trying to be crass. I'm just saying it is, you know, a thing that people do to to consume medication even. You know, we've got things like uh, suppositories. It is a way of receiving medication, uh legal or illegal. But Oh God, but, uh, the, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an entrance into the nervous system and it, it, it does beg the question as is wiping this stuff on there, you know, vigorously one would hope, uh, is that transmitting this stuff into you? And I, I go back to my previous question about does this stuff leach back into the system that then perhaps some of our perhaps less, uh, technologically advanced bidets are then hooked back up to. So even if we are trying to cut down on the TP, are we still getting squirted with water containing these chemicals? 
That's a possibility. And it's coming from, but also you have to understand these chemicals are coming from multiple sources. Toilet paper is getting news attention because people are thinking about it when they're pooping, right? And they're going to, and, and so it's- Like it you are that, right now. Like you are right now. We see you. Um, also, sorry, that's not a very <laughs> so of madness. Uh, but but we, um, one thing that, I love about this is that we we read the actual study, not just the news reports of it. And there's excellent journalism going around about this, but it might sound it might sound weird to some people that this study did not address um, the possibility of ingesting PFAS by wiping your Australia, you know. But uh, but. There's a reason they didn't, because that's how science works. I mean, can you imagine? Like, how do you construct that study? How do you do that? How do you get in people's bathrooms like that? Oh, man. Well, this came up a little bit off air when we were talking about the story. And I mentioned that I had heard uh, an episode of the NPR podcast, How I Built This, um, with uh, Mariana Mattis and Nusha uh, Gaelli of the company Biobot Analytics. And their whole deal is analyzing wastewater. And figuring out, like, you know, how uh, infection vectors are spread, for example, or even like what new drugs, you know, street drugs are being introduced into various communities. And that it is a very overlooked and uh, apparently quite fertile ground for gathering data on all kinds of things. Because every, like you said, Ben, everybody poops if you're a human, you know, everybody excretes this stuff. You don't have to get, you know, blood drawn or go to a location. You just do it. And then it doesn't matter if it's associated directly with an individual because that slurry, it's gross to say, but it can be, you know, I, I, there are substances that can be identified in terms of percentages or whatever, like the same way we detect mercury levels in water and all of that stuff. So it's a really interesting way. And, and these things are regional because it flows from the source. So you can as associate that data with individual regions of a country. That's how, like, the study about uh, cocaine in the wastewater of certain cities in Italy. But Matt, let's let's take it back to the toilet paper because this story's not not done yet, right? Uh, what? It, let's say we're the average conspiracy realist. Kidding! Everybody who listens to this show is extraordinary. Uh, what do you? What do we need to know about the state of toilet paper and how these chemicals or this? vector for chemicals may be addressed or may be transmitted? Is there a policy plan in place or is this, are we still sort of in the oh shit moment? Yeah, the policy is uh, we need to sell more toilet paper and uh, also we need to use more toilet paper and we need to cut down more trees and everything's fine and don't talk about it. That's the, the policy that's in place. Uh, but again, as you were kind of alluding to, Ben, there's there are these substances are in so many products that you use every day, that I use every day, that we all use every day. They're in it's in our blood already. We found that out a couple years ago. It's in what did we talk about? There are forever chemicals in every source of water on the planet at this point that has been tested for forever chemicals. Oh, and uh microplastics. Yeah. Yeah, nice little combo, little Venn diagram there. But so yeah, there's no policy, guys. There's nothing oh, you can do. You can buy uh, uh, like the latest, not the latest. I think maybe the a very recent episode of South Park featured. Uh, they call them Japanese toilets, but they're just like smart toilets, basically. 
toilets that have a water filtration system built into them and a bidet system that washes all the different parts of your body. Um, you can make it spiral left or right. You can make it warm <laughs> or cool. All kinds of stuff. The South Park episode was, fo- was focused on that. And there's a moment. God, it was brilliant. There's a moment where uh, it's Jimmy takes Stan on a walk and tells him the story of big toilet paper and why, like, why it's dangerous to talk about big toilet paper. Guys, basically the question he was asking Stan was, why do we all use this toilet paper? 70% of the world, of the planet, doesn't use toilet paper. But we do. All of us. Why? <laughs> Y'all, mm-hmm. there's something to big, this. Big paper. It's not just a really cool uh, MC handle. Uh, Matt, what is, okay, so this news is broken. It's in the public sphere, right? What are the manufacturers saying? Are there any statements from the Georgia Pacifics and the so on and so such? You know, the big wheels of, uh, or the big rolls of the toilet paper industry? Yeah, they said, hey, it's cool, guys. Everything's fine. No, I don't know. What, do you have a quote? I know that they, um, I know that several denied having that as part of their manufacturing process. Mm. So then there's, there's a current, uh, there's a bit of investigation needed, right? Like at what point in the creation of this stuff from a tree to your butt, uh, at what point are the, uh, these chemicals, uh, these per and polyfluoroalkyl substances, at what point are they inserted into the production chain? Is it maybe a third-party uh, manufacturer of industrial equipment? Is it maybe, um, yeah, is it something that they're getting outside of their actual process that they're not aware of? And, like, is it different than the kind of Teflon that we saw surrounding, you know, um, the investigative reporting that was the subject of the movie Dark Water that led to, you know, people being poisoned surrounding or pe- cows being killed and people, you know, getting carcinogens in their water? I forget the exact uh, it, it almost but. It almost certainly is. There's so many different forms of these forever chemicals. I'll tell you the one that was studied in particular here in this University of Florida study. And it's weird, and I don't understand it. Not a chemist, not a biologist. It is six colon two space D I P A P. This is a type of forever chemical. The problem with this one in particular is that when it interacts with other things, biological substances like a dump, like your feces uh, or whatever, there's a bunch of other things it can interact with. It breaks down and changes into a couple of other different types of forever chemicals. One of those is one of the super dangerous ones that we did talk about. I think it's PFOA. That is one of the super dangerous ones. And this thing that they tested for that's in the toilet paper breaks down into it. Cool. Great. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So this is also, this is instructive because, um, Matt, you know what this tells me is that we are going to, at least in in the U.S., where so many regulations have been gutted, we are going to increasingly see near ubiquitous products, things that are part of every every person's life. Uh, We're going to see uh, more and more bad news coming out about these things. I always, when I was doing some research on this, is weird. I I was. uh, building some stuff with tinfoil 
uh, and I was still playing with the tinfoil while I was reading this specific study, and I thought, oh, snap, what about the what about the tinfoil? I mean, think about how how strangely high certain cancer rates here are here in the United States, and how if you adjust for other variables, even the big no-no stuff like smoking tobacco or um, hard drug use or drinking too much, right, or diet, eating red meat or whatever, even if you adjust for that, there's something screwy going on health-wise in this country. And this feels like not the first, but definitely not the last story of this sort we're going to hear. What do you think would be next? Toilet paper's gone, right? That's bad. We're gonna, what, if it's in, what if it's in paper towels, too? Think about how many paper towels yeah. you use like just throughout your day. If you go anywhere out in the world, unless the company is super environmentally conscious, you're probably using uh, paper towels or napkins, you know, that aren't cloth napkins. There are, by the way, guys, found out, some really fun solutions for cloth toilet paper that you can use that just sit in this lovely looking basket right next to your, your toilet and you just use them. And then you've also got a nice little closable, I guess, trash can type thing that you put them in until you're ready to throw all the dirty <laughs> diaper wipes into the oh, washing sorry. machine. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. so it's like, I'll throw all the poop away. Just, you gotta, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sorry, man. It made me laugh. It made me laugh. Astronauts use toilet paper. The problem's literally bigger than Earth. Oh, no. Space forever chemicals. Where do you think Great. the name comes from? It's Space food. Well, you know, hey, stuff. here is the real solution, everybody. Just like South Park said, just get a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However you need to get a couple thousand dollars. Make it know, happen. Just do it. Head on over to Home Depot and pick up a, I don't, uh, they have all kinds of weird names, a really expensive toilet that filters its own water and cleans your bottom with its little filtered spray. Ship it from Japan. Get your Toto, right? Justify that expense. Uh, I kind of want one, but you got to have an outlet. You got to have an outlet installed for those. And I don't, you know, I mean, you can't just run an extension what? cord to that one by the sink. Yeah. They, they, yeah, it's pro. It's like an appliance. Yeah, it's got, it's got a heated seat. It heats the water, like I was saying. And, you know, you wouldn't want to just run an extension cord to that one by your by your sink, you know, where you plug your hair dryer in. So I, I assume you'd have to have a special one put in, um, you know, just just so. It but says I'm considering gentle, it. I'm looking quiet, into storm, it. ASMR, <laughs> encouragement while you're pooping. Remember that episode of uh, Bob's Burgers where Gene kind of formed a relationship with the talking Japanese toilet? That was a great Mm -hmm, episode. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really good app. I hope that ASMR was helpful to everybody. It really was. I mean, that's why I brought it up because I think the toilet talked in that one. And you were, to me at that point, imitating a sentient Japanese toilet. Chat GPT, the future of toilet technology. More like Scott uh, <laughs> GPT, am I right? Yeah. Okay. So, hey, if you want to look up the study, you can look up per and polyfluoroalkyl substances in toilet paper and the impact on wastewater systems. It's written by Jake T. Thompson, Boating Chen, John A. Bowden, and Timothy G. Townsend. You can find that. Again, University of Florida. Search for it. Find it. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think we should do about the toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And tell us also uh, what you think about hypocrisy in governance, right? To, To what 
personal standard should your elected officials be held? Uh, And then also tell us what you think about the bank collapses that are occurring now. Is there going to be a larger systemic shift? Is there something conspiratorial afoot? We would love to hear your thoughts uh, and we try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at the handle Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram and TikTok, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Yes, and if you would like to use your phone and call us to leave a voicemail, you can. 1-833-STD-WYTK. When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your name and message on one of our listener mail episodes. If you got more to say than can fit in that three-minute voicemail, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.